Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Eric Dragon, with another episode of Walk of Shame. So, this episode is going to be an interview with me and Brittany Giesler. Brittany Giesler was one of the first comics that I actually met when I started comedy about, I think about nine months ago. April, April, May, June, July, August, September. All right, let me do math real quick. Actually, I think it was March. I think I started in March. March... April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Okay, about eight months. So yeah, I've been doing. Yeah, so she was the first one of the first comics I met. She helped me out a lot. She um, used to host uh, open mic at the Finish Line Lounge, which we'll probably talk about a little bit on this podcast. But she also was one of the first people to. She's also one of the first people to help me with like a writing, like learning how to like writing jokes. We used to do this right. We used to be in this group. I'm not going to say, cause I think the thing was, it had the dumbest name. I think it was like the laugh mob or something like that. It only lasted like a month since I was there, but we, she helped me out with a lot, writing some of my jokes. We used to actually write jokes together. We're going to, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil the episode because one, I don't want to, but it's going to be a great episode. Again, she was one of my, she was one of, she was one of the comics that helped me out first. She's a great, she's a great person and yeah, enjoy the episode. All right. Hey, this is another episode of Walk of Shame with Eric Drager and I don't know, I already did the intro, but I have my guest. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey, oh, it's Brittany Geisler. Okay. That- <laughs> Great job. Thank you. Let's make it awkward. <laughs> Anyways, so Brittany Giesler, like I've already said, she's one of she's one of the first she's one of the first comics that I met when I started comedy. What about it's about eight nine months ago, right? Right. I, yeah. yeah, you started shortly after I did. Yeah. Yeah. And she used to be a host of the Finish Line Lounge, which we'll talk about a little later. But other than, but before we talk about that, Brittany, introduce yourself and like tell them about about yourself. Like I know your mom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like Eric said, I'm a mom. I've got two beautiful boys. They're 12 and and um, 10. But if you see me on stage, I say they're 11 and 9, so I could do a 9/11 joke. It's tasteful, I think. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, I work as uh, in flooring. Um, I do design and sales and help people problem solve their design problems. I do installs on the side. If you guys need floorings, I got you covered from color to installation. Um, a little bit. Oh, my mother had a stroke about a year and a half ago, so I live with her and um, help her take care of her mortgage and whatnot, so that she doesn't lose the house and has heat and whatnot. Um, it's turned my life into kind of a shitty sitcom. <laughs> I got my mom nagging me for shit. I got my kids nagging me for shit. And I'm just like, fuck, nice. I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> I live by myself. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's about it. Uh, my comedy, I go on stage with my guitar. I've been, I, I picked up the violin when I was nine which is a string instrument and is very hard compared to the guitar. So when I picked up the guitar, I just took to it. It was like, I've been preparing, you know, for years to play guitar and it, I just fell for it. And, um, yeah, I've been playing guitar for 17 years now. I probably should be a lot better than I am, but I'm very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sing songs on the guitar. 
uh, for some of my stand-up, which has really helped me define myself um, and my my success, really. I, I, I've only been doing um, stand-up since January, and it's now November. So is that nine months? Mm, no, it's like, I think, because I started around March and April okay. around that time, and it's been about nine. So you're closer to, like, almost a year now. Yeah, just a couple, couple months shy of a year, and um, I've, I mean... If you want to get to know me, I'm not bragging, but it has absolutely kept me going. I've been booked for shows, you know, just small slots, like 10, 15 minutes. I very much enjoy that. And the bookers really much enjoy having, you know, a guitar on stage, you know, something a little different. Yeah. Um, I did get a little dependent on my guitar there for a while. Uh, I, I felt like I couldn't be funny without my guitar. So I've been doing a lot more without it and have had just as much success. Um, yeah. I'm going to see if I put this here. No, it's gonna fuck it. It's, my arm's getting tired. All right. Um. So, what got you into comedy, if I can ask? All right. Um. So, I got a couple different factors getting into comedy. One is I've always wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. I saw my first stand-up probably when I was about eight. It was Chris Fitzsimmons on Comedy Central Presents, and I laughed so hard me and my brother and um we do almost like little skits for each other yeah. around the house we started building jokes um and so i always wanted to do it but i focused on my music and so um then i had kids and music was kind of not an option anymore yeah. i mean it was but it's a nighttime gig and i want to be home with my, my yeah, babies yeah. you know so then i get a divorce from their father um and you know he's a good father just we didn't work yeah. But we co-parent very, very well. Um, so now I only have my kids every other week. I was getting bored. Um, then I saw in January Ella, Ellen DeGeneres' uh, new oh, yeah, the, Relatable. The, okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. So I saw that, and I saw her, and I was like, I want to do that so bad. So then a couple days later, I saw my first dead body. Huh, okay. have, have I told you this? No, you have not. Okay, so I came up on an intersection. I was driving home. Thank God my kids weren't with me. And in the intersection, I see a body just smeared from one side to the other. And I just, you know, it was, I didn't see it happen. And I got there before the cops got there. Yeah. So I got to see the scene. And it just, like, all I did was hyperventilate and cry yeah. <laughs> I did I'm not built for dead bodies <laughs> no, I don't think a lot of people are God bless our, our military and first responders and doctors I cannot do it I could not do it yeah. so I went home and um, the next day you know I wake up I go to work and and things just felt different it was like I was faced with my own mortality you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all just one second away from being smeared on the fucking asphalt you know and I decided um, that I I wanted to perform. Oh, nice. And I, I didn't have time to, like, dedicate to a band, yeah. you know, like I usually would have. So I said, you know what? Let's do comedy. I got up one morning. I went to work. I wrote out my first set. I went to the Zodiac. I did it. I loved it. People loved it. I mean, it wasn't great. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. I really put myself out there. And I think the key to it, the absolute key to me doing it, because I had written other stand-ups before, and I would run them past a friend, and they'd look at me and they'd say, you know what, I think it needs work. Yeah. And then I'd shy off the idea of doing it. And so this time, I didn't look for anybody's approval. I didn't run my script past anyone. I just went and did it, and I've been in love ever since. Yeah, I think that's how you got to start actually do comedy, because 
I remember when I was with my when I was with my ex, I would do jokes in front of her, and she'd be like, "Oh, that's funny," but I don't think other people would find it funny. And that's what actually got me to do comedies when I got back when I got back from my first, second deployment, and she left. I was like, "Well, I don't got anyone to really tell me no," so I just did. That's why I went to right. Vegas. Yeah. Right. You know, and stop going to the people who are going to tell you no yeah. on any idea. I mean, I I thought about running it past my boss, but, <laughs> but she tells me no all the time. I thought about running it past my coworker, but she tells me no all the time. I was like, you know what? Screw it. This is between me and me. And you know, the thing is, is they tell you, yeah, it's funny, but I don't think they're going to get yeah. it because they're comparing you to the greats. Oh, yeah. And that's... Because all they've ever seen are the greats. <laughs> Shoot, I remember my... When I was like... when. I, like my, my, I was talking to my grandpa a couple of months, like last Christmas. He was like, yeah, you're funny, but you're not like, you know. Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Not even that. Like, no, he's like, he's a much older, he's an older guy. He was talking like a Three Stooges. I'm like, uh. uh you're no Groucho Max. You know, I'm like, uh, I know I'm not. You swear too much. I'm like, oh, fuck. Right. You know. Yeah. People will give you a, re a list of reasons not to go on stage and make an ass of yourself. Yeah. But that's fucking comedy is going on stage and making an ass of yourself. Oh, yeah. That's how you, that's how, at least that's how I do it. Because I remember, fuck, when you used to host the finish line, I remember my first set there and I was. I bombed hard, still bomb, but I bombed like terrible that day, and, I, and that's the thing, like you and a couple of other comics were like telling me to just keep trying, keep trying, that's what actually got me into doing it, like keep going. Yeah, but you're gonna bomb, right. even after, I've seen, I've seen comics who've been doing it for years. Yeah, and they still bomb. Yeah, and, and that's part of the, the learning process is get comfortable bombing, you know, and I guess eventually at some point you'll, you'll stop bombing or yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get, I, I wouldn't say get comfortable about it. Cause I don't get comfortable, but like, uh, get <laughs> used, fair. get used to like, you're going to bomb. Cause the thing is, it's like, if you get comfortable with, some, at least when I used to wrestle and I used to get comfortable with stuff, it'd be like, I would never get comfortable losing. Yeah. Uh, so, you, I know, see. you know, but you wouldn't like yeah, beat yeah, yeah. yourself up oh, about yeah. losing. It's just part of this, putting yourself uh, out there. I would. Oh really? Yeah, I'd beat, I'd beat, like not physically, but yeah, I'd beat the shit out of myself. I'd be pissed. Oh, I should have done that half, man. Yeah. I, that half was wide oh, open. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> and that's what got me better. Because when I was younger, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care when I lost. But yeah. when I got older, I guess there's something to be said there. That like, if you do bomb, um, if I bomb, I walk away thinking, what could I have done better? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, learn from it. That, yeah. I guess you know, get comfortable learning from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah, because I know. Some there's some comics I'm not gonna say any names, but there's some comics who I feel who've been doing it much longer than you know, like been doing it for almost half a decade, and they I sometimes feel like they're just comfortable with whatever they do, and I just I don't get that. Yeah. You know, like they don't get better, and I'm not saying any names, but there's some that I don't that just don't get better. Right. You know. But um, shit, I don't have anything planned. By the way, I'm just letting you know. Oh, that's okay. Um, let's see. So, are you from Colorado? I'm from Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. So, I was born in Alaska. All right, explain this. My father was in the military. Okay. He was stationed in Alaska, and then we got moved when I was about two. So I've always meant to go back to Alaska, see where I came from. Kind of feel like my soul's from there. I don't know. And then um, two years later, we were stationed in Washington, then the South, and then Boston. So I learned to talk in the South. And then we moved to Boston. That really fucked my speech oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> then we moved to the Midwest. And um, we, oh God, 
my dad got stationed here in Fort Carson, actually. So I went to kindergarten and first grade here. Then we moved to Thermopolis, Wyoming, where I did second grade. Then we moved to Cheyenne, where I did the third grade, and I was there all the way through okay. junior year. Goddamn. That's, th that's one thing I realized by a lot of military brats is, like, they have, like, they could say, like, I know this one guy who, he's from, he's from New York. Like, he was born in New York, but he sound, he sounds like a, he sounds like he talks like this because the thing is he grew up in he grew up in Georgia because his parents were like his his dad was in like Fort Hood, not Fort Hood, Fort Drum, and then he went to Fort Bragg, not Fort Bragg, Fort Benning, for like twenty years, and that's why he starts talking like that. But it's just funny when you get you get different cultures from people who like not cultures but different when they go from different areas. It's yeah, you know, yeah, you know. So by the the third grade, I was pretty well traveled. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't move as I didn't know I know I didn't move nearly as much, but I know I grew up. I was born in Wisconsin, lived there for about ten years, nine years, and I moved to North Carolina. And that's why, like when I say certain phrases, I do actually have a little bit of an accent, either from the Midwest or from you know Southern. Yeah, I, I know. I hear you. Every now and then, it just like slips out of me, like directions. Can I get some directions? <laughs> God damn, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, don't you mean directions? Where are you from? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? So, yeah, I grew up about 15 miles outside of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay. And I freaking loved it. Uh, my junior year, which was very, very painful, I went to, uh, I left all my friends, everything I knew. Oh, yeah. Lived here with my mother, and I've uh, been in Colorado ever since. Nice. So am I from Colorado now? I, mean, I don't. I I don't know. No, no, I can't call myself a native. My kids are natives. They yeah, were yeah, both yeah. born here. I know that's how it is because it's like people like. I know when I grew up in when I always came home from, like what like the army they think I'm from North Carolina. They're like oh you're from North Carolina, but it's like, but I'm am I? Yeah. You know, I lived in Wisconsin almost the same amount of time. Right. You know, I've but, lived here longer than I lived in Wyoming, but I'm yeah. still from Wyoming. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But yeah, I've, I've never been to Alaska, but I've been up north in Canada. You've seen villages? <laughs> no. Yeah, they're very like they're, like, they're like villages. They're not even like towns. That's how small it is up there. Because it's like that, it's when it gets that cold. Because I think I went to, what was that, uh, Crater Lake? I think it was Crater Lake in Canada. And they're like there was like a little fi uh, fishing village. And that's literally what Alaska's like. Nice. I can't wait. To, I I want to go back. I want to see it. Have you ever driven through South Park, Colorado? Mm, I might. I might have. Are you? I know I've driven. You know where the hot springs are, like uh, down south. Uh huh. Yeah, I've driven through there. I've driven there before. I think South Park is actually um, west of here. I've driven through it a couple times on my way to and back Buena Vista. Okay. And they've got they've actually got a cutout where you can stick your face in the holes, you know, oh, yeah. of the of, you know Kyle and Stan and Cartman and. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll Kyle, wait! I already said that one. What's the fourth? What's the Kenny? fourth? Kenny. Yes, uh, Kenny. Yeah, the one that the, the famous one that dies. <laughs> How could I forget Kenny? So. Yeah, but it's like it's like five little houses <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and a cutout of the South Park characters. Oh yeah, that's how it is. That's how it, that's how some that's how it is in some areas. Like, that's South Park, Colorado. I know. Shit, I know there's this one town. I forgot what it's called in Colorado where they still like when you, only way you can get gas, a guy actually still comes out and and fills it up for you. Nice. Yeah, I forgot what it's called. That was like <sighs> small town hospitality right oh, there. No, right? <laughs> Where the fuck's that shit when I go when I perform sometimes? <laughs> I can't get out of the car. Uh, <laughs> Please. Please help. 
But okay, so you have a couple. You've done a couple um, headline. Do you have any like uh, showcases you're doing, like in the near future that you can tell people Actually, about? Um, next, oh, I'm very excited. Uh, next Saturday, I will be in Pueblo at 11:29 Spirits and Eatery. Um, opening up, I think I'm doing 10 to 15 minutes with my guitar at their request. And then the weekend after that, I'll be back in Pueblo for a veteran show okay. with my guitar at their request. Goddamn. <laughs> and then, um, I'm, I'm looking to start another open mic. I got a pretty good lead I'm waiting to he hear back on. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. So, okay. So we're, since we were talking about, um, getting a new, what's oh. up? And I am on the radio. I've been invited as a regular every Wednesday on 98.5 Blazin um, from 5 to 7 doing relationship advice. Oh, nice. They call it Relationship Wednesday. It's a freaking hoot and holler. Tune in for that. All right. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, so, talk, actually, let's talk about hosting. So, because when I met you... Like, I think you were at Looney's the first time I went to Looney's, but I remember the first time I actually met met you was at Finish Land Lounge, and that was the one that you guys were hosting. How was, like, what's the difference between hosting and actually performing? Because I've never hosted, so honestly, I don't know. So, um, I used, I had hosted a few events when I went to college at UCCS at their, um, freaking open mic, uh, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was all acts, a lot of slam poetry. Yeah. Um, and so I had a little bit experience, but I'd never hosted straight comedy before. I actually had never hosted any comedy. No yeah. comics came onto the open mic stage at, uh, at UCCS. So I had to look up how to do it. Got some really good advice and took some tips from the hosts at Looney's like Wade, Wade Ridley. Yeah. He does a great job hosting. John Rumry does a great job hosting. Like, and so I was kind of taking mental notes from them. Yeah. Performing is you go up there and you upstage. You your goal is to be the most memorable comic of the night. You know, have a good time, put your all out there. Yeah. When you're hosting, you don't want to upstage your comics. You want to promote your comics. You want to coming on stage. You're really gonna like them. The hilarious Era Drager. Yeah. Or and when they come off, don't. Um, and and this has stuck with me. Don't tell a joke. You can riff off of their jokes, but don't tell your jokes because then you're trying to upstage. It looks like a jealousy thing. Yeah. And I've seen that done a couple times before and I'm like, ah. and if I hadn't read that specific advice, I wonder if that would have stuck with me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Cause the thing is, that's what I realized when you host it, like when you host, and there's a couple of hosts that in the Colorado Springs area where it's like, I feel better when I get introduced by like you or like a Matt Gabriel or someone like that. Cause it makes me feel like I'm actually, you yeah, know, a dude. better comic. Then there's or you're like, a hype man. Yeah. And it's like, there's other comic, there's other hosts that when they introduce me, it's like, it's, it's cool. But then it's like, uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, it was kind of cool. And, and I don't think it was the same kind of energy. I think he was riffing off of me. Um, I did a set, I did fairly well. Yeah. Um, and actually I did pretty good. <laughs> Not too man horn. I was very yeah, yeah. proud of my performance. A lot of new material. And that's what made me so proud is I landed new jokes. So anyways, I get off stage after doing a couple jokes about my kids. And he says, is anybody else happy? She's not your mother. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but everybody kind of, it wasn't like they turned on him. They're like, no, we love birthday. Yay. And I was like, like. 
I don't know. It was a good feeling, yeah. man. So it was kind of like, but I'm also okay with self-deprecation. Oh yeah. Like I do that all the time. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. So if the host deprecates on me a little bit, yeah. you know, but it's nice when the when the crowd oh. has your back. Oh yeah, I got you. <laughs> Let's see. So that's actually like talk about comedy. Your comedy is it's different than mine. If like, you know, like I don't know if some of like, I know some of my guys when they some of my audience when they hear my jokes, it gets a little more dark and a little like and stuff like that. But yours is a little more like silly and goofy. So like. Does, that kind of fits your personality. I don't know what I'm. I'm on a rant right now. I'll oh, go for about. it. I forgot what I was gonna ask you, but so, who were your inspirations with your like style? Oh goodness. Um, so I watched a lot of stand up. Yeah. When I was younger, and I would say the most like, if I, the ones I watched over and over were Mitch Hedberg, Dimitri Martin, and Kathleen Madigan, and I, I just. Kathleen is dry, a little dark, yeah. but very smart. And the way she, um, if you ever see her, she sips on her drink. Yeah. And that's your cue to laugh. And and she changes her voice a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and the way, watching her lull the crowd and cue them on when to laugh, when, you know. Yeah. That, that was inspiring. Mitch Hedberg and his one-liners. Dimitri Martin and his one-liners over the guitar. Yeah. Yes. And so what I've kind of done is I've taken songs, um, some of which I've written, some of which, uh, like, in high school, um, as party games. Um, and then I turn those into my jokes. So one thing I do different than Dimitri Martin is I actually sing a chorus. Yeah. And then the verse is all the one-liners, and then a chorus, and then the verse for one-liners. And I've only ever seen other... Um, other guitar com comics either sing their whole yeah, song. Yeah, whole song, and it's like a, that's the whole thing. Or do all one-liners. Yeah. Um, somebody recently told me, oh, my God, you're just like Nick Thune. And I was like, who the hell is Nick Thune? They're like, are you kidding me? You are so much like him. So I checked him out, and he does one-liners and singing. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I came upon this on my own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I would say those are my biggest... Um, Inspirations. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, yeah, you are. It is weird that because there is like, I, I think there's like maybe one or two other comics that I've actually seen when I, in Colorado that's, that actually use like instruments and stuff like that. And I think you, you know, one other, like the only ones that, you know, if I don't see your guitar, it's, you're trying, it's, I'm not saying, like, when I, when I don't see your guitar, it's not like I'm like, oh, it's going to suck, but it's like, oh, well. I do like it when you guys have your guitar. Like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Because you're good without your guitar, too. But you're also good with your guitar. Right. It's, you know? So, I mean, ultimately, when I'm not... If I have a 10-minute set, I'm just, I'm just going to leave the guitar on me. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, the bigger sets, um, what I want to do, and I haven't done yet... The one time I did headline, I used yeah. the guitar, like, sprinkled throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my, my set... Uh, but I would like to, you know, open with a song, set it down, do the stand-up, close out with a song. Okay. Yeah, the, I think that would be, like, a perfect balance set. And I see, I've seen, yeah, I don't think I've seen a, I think I've seen one other comic do something like that on Netflix, but I don't, it's been a while, or something like, something like that. Dimitri it, Martin, 
um, his last uh, overthinker is what it's called. And what he does is brilliant. He he goes up, he does a stand-up, he has a huge drawing yeah. pad, you know, and he flips through the pages. But on, on overthinker, he did his thing and he closed out with a song. And when he picks up that guitar, you're like, "This is it! This is it. he's gonna play his guitar!" Yeah. You know, and I want I want to do that. You okay. know? I want people to get that excited when I pick up my guitar. Oh yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I don't want any awkward silence. Oh shit. Well, let me up this cigarette. And I'll strap shoes on my feet. There we go. Uh, what? So, for for like, because the thing is, I'm not a female comic, and you're also a mother, so we. What advice would you give someone, uh, a female comic who, you know, that wanted to start? Okay. Um, I have, my, my situation's perfect for comedy because I have my kids every other week. So even, you know, on the weeks that they have, you know, they're with their dad, maybe they have an after school event. I go do that. I hit up a comic comedy show. So I try to make it to at least, uh, two and sometimes four five if I can do it, yeah. um, comedy shows, or open mics, excuse yeah. me, when they're with their father. And then when they're with me, very rarely do I go out. Yeah. But I saw recently that Brian Regan did the same thing because he was married and he had a baby. So he went to every other week doing comedy and still had a very successful career, okay. you know. And so I, I, would op, I would suggest wait, and it may feel like forever, wait until your children are a little bit older, a little bit more dependent, yeah. where they don't feel, you know. Um, but I've seen Leslie Fox very successfully, you know, she has her kid full time yeah. and she still makes it out frequently, but you know that she has a kid waiting for her at yeah. home. I'm, visit, I'm, I'm actually interviewing her tomorrow after this one. So I would I would say she would probably have the better advice for okay. women who have their children all the time, because yeah. she has she she's balanced it she's yeah. figured it out. Well, it's also well, your advice is still better than my advice. You know, <laughs> Touche. You know, every time. Every time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Whatever. Era's a era. You're a good man. I know, good man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> but let's see. Okay, so how much time are we have on this thing? Yeah, we'll take a little break real quick. All right, hey, we're back. So, fuck, what were we talking about? I forgot. I think we left off on um, motherly advice. Motherly advice? Yes. Yeah, fuck that, because cause I don't have any advice on that. <laughs> but, all right, so we both started in Colorado Springs. Have you done any, besides Pebble, have you done any mics anywhere else? I've made it up to Denver a few times. Okay. That, that's like 10 times like well i mean like i go up there and i do two mics yeah so and then i perform i don't know maybe like 10 times up in denver okay no that's the thing i've noticed like one thing i've noticed about colorado is because i've done it in i've done it in a couple other places i've done it in boulder denver and manitou and i'm not gonna count fountain and pablo they're kind of the same yeah yeah you know but it's like different cities are like different you see different crowds, you know? Like, mm -hmm. for example, like, even Colorado Springs. Like, if you go to um, Bar K, it's more of a, you know, a you, you know, you kind of people, you know, liberal. <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying, you know, you people. What do you mean, you people? I mean, liberals, <laughs> sensitives. Hey, I am liberal, but I am not fucking sensitive. Whatever. <laughs> and then, like, or you go to, like, a bar, like, a Leg when Legends was still a thing, or... I wouldn't say Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues is more like mid, like middle, but if I like, go to like 
legends or I did tell a joke in Denver that was I guess uh too offensive really oh uh, yeah um so I have a joke where I'm like okay so the the 9-11 joke like, yeah yeah my kids are 11 and 9 that's right my personal 9-11 I think that's funny because they're constantly hitting me with questions yeah and and that that went fine but then I said, my youngest walks into the other into the room the other day, and he says, "Hey, mom, how tall is Hitler?" And I'm like, "I I, I don't know." And he says, "He was about zay high, <laughs> right?" Yeah. But for some reason, the audience and the host heard zay Kyle. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I did the salute and everything. <laughs> and and um, so, and then I ended the joke with, well, I had to Google the height of yeah. Hitler, and turns out he's 5'9". <laughs> and, and he is, he's 5'9". He yeah. was, he was 5'9". Yeah. So anyways, I he's said Zay High, and uh, they heard Zig Heil, which I, I empathize with. Like, I can see where they got that, and I'm sorry I crossed that line. I haven't done the joke since. Um, but I think that, that joke landed here in Colorado Springs regularly. Yeah. But then when I went up to Denver and did it, it phew, that crossed a line and a comic pulled me aside after that. And she said, you know, that joke would have been funny two years ago, but with the current state of yeah, people, everything. Yeah. That's the thing I've noticed. Like, I don't like there's like, I don't care what people feel when I, whenever I say shit, because I know. But it's like there's still some jokes that I have in the back burner that I've only used maybe once or twice just because the thing is they people get like all butt hurt and stuff, you know, like my gun my gun art my gun argument joke, I've only done that one three times. I don't think I've heard it. It's okay, so it's one of the like I'll do the give the abridged version. The abridged version is, you know, you know how people have this argument about should we take all our guns or should we keep our guns? Well both sides have the dumbest arguments like <laughs> Like, like for example, like the left side, they're like, oh, we should take all the guns, then the criminals won't have them. It's like, cool, because if I'm a criminal... And you're taking my gun. And, no, it's not even that. It's like, okay. if I'm a criminal and I'm going to steal your car, just because it's illegal to steal your car doesn't mean I'm going to not fucking steal your car. Right. Same thing with guns. And then the other one is the right side. They always make the most, they always make the most dramatic things. Like, oh, well, what if you're at a school and you see a school shooter? What are you going to do? You're going to call the cops and wait for the cops like a normal person? No, you're going to go in there and... Bust in and save the kids. I'm like, there's a couple problems with that. First of all, cops are going to come. They're only going to see a guy with a gun, so they're going to blow your ass. <laughs> Second thing, why do you have a gun at school? And third thing, you don't have kids, so why the fuck you at a school to begin with? Right? <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of thing. It's like... I, I actually, I've seen... Now, okay, as liberal as I am, yeah. I don't know if you want your, your podcast to take this turn. I don't care. I, I totally believe in the Second Amendment. Yeah. We have the right to bear arms. We do. Oh, me too. And I don't... So... I don't know what the solution to gun control is. I don't, you know, but yeah. obviously it's a problem. But I've also seen footage where a guy goes in to rob, you know, they, they still show the security yeah. for that footage of a guy going to rob a 7-Eleven and everybody's got a gun on him and dude loses instantly. Yeah. You know, I've seen the footage where civilians have used guns responsibly in, in a moment of, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think uh, clarity or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen the pros and the cons, and it's just like, where, where's the line? Like, and I'll tell you, dude, I, I come from a pretty Democratic family. Yeah. They have guns. You know, not all Democrats are like, no fucking guns. Well, yeah, that's like, like not all Republicans are like, we, I need to be able to buy, like, because I'm one of those guys where I believe in the gun, gun laws, but I don't believe, I believe we should have limitations. Like, for example, 
I'm not gonna have a 240. If and if people who are listening don't know what a 240 is, it's a sh- it's a it's a bullet chained machine gun. Like yeah. The, yeah, like I don't think someone should have an automatic machine gun because I think that's retarded. Right. You know, <laughs> but that's just that's my views on that. It's like I feel like. But having a hunting rifle and a pistol and a shotgun, yeah, sure, why not? Oh, and I could see owning one. <sighs> Lord, like there are gun enthusiasts out there who love their gun oh, collection. Yeah. They love going to the shooting range, and I am all for that. That is American as fuck. Oh yeah. It is also your responsibility to make sure if you ever sell that gun, it goes to the right hands. Oh yeah. You know, and goddamn, where do you discriminate? You know, I personally do not own a gun. Yeah. Um, I know I am not emotionally stable enough to own a gun. (laughs) I will, you know, and that is being a responsible non-gun owner, you know. Um, But growing up, my dad owned a gun. And I felt safer in my home because my dad owned a gun. Yeah. It's a a weird conversation. It's just kind of like... There's really no right answer right now. Yeah, well, I don't think there'll ever be a right answer on that one just because the thing is, you know... If you live in certain areas, if you live in certain areas, you know, like, say, the country or, you know, in the hood where if an emergency happens where someone breaks in, you know, mm-hmm. you go, you're going to you're going to need something just in case if someone breaks in because it's going to take a while before law enforcement gets there. Right. But if you live right by the police station and it's going to take them five, it's going to take them like a, like 30 seconds to get there then you probably don't need one. I'll tell you, there's been twice people have tried to break into this house. Yeah. I have dogs, and my dogs would not let them. Yeah. And, I mean, having dogs, I don't need a gun because I got my dogs. Now, God forbid the burglar ever have a fucking gun. Yeah. You know, but it's just hard. Oh, yeah. And it's reality. And the only thing I don't agree with is, like, when people talk about, oh, I think teachers should have guns, I think, I don't, like, you know, with schools, I don't believe that... I believe they should have an armed guard, like a cop, but I don't believe, like, certain people should have guns, like teachers. Well, and I think part of the Second Amendment is our right to not have guns. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, these teachers... Uh, for the, the, the archetypical teacher is a very peaceful, nurturing person. Forcing a gun on them might be against their... Their beliefs. beliefs. Uh, but there are other teachers out there who are all for it, and... As long as the teacher has the decision. Oh yeah. I'm pro gun choice. Yeah. <laughs> but also my thing about te- my thing about a teacher having a gun at school is you know, it's kind of like again I'm not a parent but I used to be I I'm a co- I used to be a coach and I have soldiers I have soldiers underneath me and there's times where I want to beat the fucking shit out of them, and there might be times where some teachers like have a gun and they're just like you know fuck it, right? You know and that's the thing. Right. And they're not. Another thing is it's it's a lot of stress for it's they don't get paid enough to have to do that to teach a, teach a student then when a school shooter gets in be become a soldier you know, they don't I, get paid enough for that right and to go back with what I said I'm not emotionally stable enough to have yeah. a gun I will shoot someone I will shoot it for fun I just I, I just don't trust myself with a gun yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and these teachers, I mean, could you imagine in the heat of the moment just cracking one off to get the, the, the class's attention? Oh, yeah. you know, that would be me. And that would be all, I could see a lot of teachers doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just look at your gun, you're like, today's the day. <laughs> these kids have gone too far. Fucking tired of this shit. <laughs> and you just shoot the floor, of course. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, the floor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. <laughs> but I don't know. 
Uh, it's 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 a difficult one. It really is. And what's beautiful is that we live in a country where everybody has the right to freedom of speech. Unfortunately, that means that everybody has the right to an opinion. Uh. <laughs> But, you know, we get to have this conversation rather oh, yeah. than the, the government have this con- make the decision for us. Oh, yeah, because I've, I've been in some countries where it's like they don't have a say in what they do. Like, they don't. And not a lot of people understand. Like, a lot of people who live here who always complain about, like, I'm a, I had a roommate. I'm not going to say his name. But I had a roommate who he would always bitch about the government. He would always bitch about, you know, this country and all this other stuff. But it's like, dude, I've been in a country where... You know, you can you have you have to be you can be, you have to be in the military at age of sixteen. Yeah, I know, and like even like first world countries like Germany and um, yeah, Germany, Switzerland, sweet not Switzerland, right. they, they Norway. Don't have Norway, and like Czech Republic or you know places that are. No, I think NATO. you have to serve in Switzerland. Switzerland? I, no, they, they don't have a standing army. No? no. Oh no, then I'm thinking of another place. Yeah. All right. But, like, you have other countries. We're one of the only countries where we don't have a draft. Like, you have you have to – it's a vol, it's 100% volunteer. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my ex, her brother, he just got he just got in the Korean Army because the thing is they have to serve for, I think, three years. Yeah. In some places, I know – because he's in South Korea. I know in North Korea, it's much, much longer. It's both men and females. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is, you know, we have a lot of freedoms. Like, this country's not the best country. Like, I'm not even going to say that. Like, I'm not going to be like, right. oh, this is the best country ever, even though it is. It's, it could be a lot better. Mm-hmm. But we need to look and say, we're, at least we're not like in Afghanistan or Syria or, right. you know, anywhere else where we would have to be fighting i had talked to a man who was a contractor for the military and stationed in afghanistan and he got to know some of his afghani partners and um, one of his partners told him that him and his wife will never go into public at the same time ever because if there's a bombing and both parents die they won't know what happens to their children so the only time they spend time together is at home at least if there's a bombing, they all go together, you know. And, but that's the reality. That's their day-to-day oh, yeah. reality. I mean, here we're just snugged up with our opinions, you know, and right. the safety of having them. And the thing, the thing about that contractor is he makes about, like, if you're a civilian, American civilian, that goes over to, like, Afghanistan, Iraq, or something like that, you make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. I know I worked with some guys from, I think it was Nigeria or... Ghana, it was one of those two in Africa, and they only make like twenty bucks a month. Jesus. And the thing is, most of that. Well, the guy standing next to them the, is making making hundreds of thousand dollars. Like I worked with a couple of guys from Africa, and they only make like, I think twenty. I think I think they make like maybe more like a hundred, but they st- but most of that money goes to their family because they're in a third world country. Mm-hmm. Like, and they have, and they have, and they're they're like they're like Catholic on steroids when it comes to their family. Like, I know one guy who he had like twenty children. Wow. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, all 20 of my children. They were making fun of me because I don't have children. And they're like, oh, you're not a real man if you don't have children. But I was like, uh, <laughs> I make more money than you. <laughs> you know, but they were cool. I got pe- pull-out game. <laughs> yeah, they, they got cool. They got really cool. Um, They got really good. Um, What's it called? They got really, they're really cool people. Like, that's the thing I've realized being in the, co- being in the army is you get people, you meet a lot of people that you have never met outside the army. 
my um, brother was stationed in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah? Oh, God. And thank God he came back. You know, I just... Do you know what part? Uh, <laughs> the horn? <laughs> I yeah, think... Yeah, you're lucky you came back. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, please. That's why I put it. Here's the milk. I'm not going to drink milk. Uh, so the horn makes sense. I'm not making that up? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so that's where my brother was stationed. Um, and, oh, God, the, the most heartbreaking conversation of my life was him saying, okay, if I die, you're my beneficiary. Um, and this is what I want you to do with the money. I want you to make sure all of my nephews, my two children, and my stepsister's two children go to college. Yeah. I want you to throw me a big-ass funeral. And I just, like, started tearing up. I was like, dude, I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, and he did come back. Um, and But his fascination with Afghanistan was the culture. Oh, yeah, the culture. The food's delicious. Like, That's I love... The bread? Oh, yeah, the bread, the non-bread. Yeah. Uh, oh, I gotta... Actually, I'm gonna try to make this into a bit... But my second deployment, I would actually try to trade, like, lower enlisted, like, people who were lower ranked than me, to, like, dance for the Afghans so I could get food, <laughs> <laughs> bread and shit. Like, pretty much, like, a prostitution ring for the food. <laughs> my brother says, you know, they have all these wives, but only the men are allowed to make the bread. Yeah. <laughs> what good is a wife? <laughs> uh, we're not going to go there because I don't want to get canceled. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> I'm going to get canceled if I say, say their culture. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was fascinated by his fascination. Oh yeah. Again, like their food's good. They're, 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 it's, this is going to sound fucked up. You don't, you can't really trust them because their allegiance to the government is kind of wonky. Like you could be in the Afghan army one day and then just say, fuck it. I quit and join the Taliban the next day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, like you could just snap. You could just say, fuck it. Because the thing is, it's like, they're not really loyal. And the, their government, I'm going to be talking about government this entire rest of the podcast. It's, it's whatever. It's whatever. whatever. I'm going to go on a rant. But their, um, their government is very, very corrupt. Like, I remember we were, I was on a base, and it was supposed to be overrun by the Taliban. Like, that's legit the thing. And the government, they were getting supplies. And this one, one of the, this one soldier, I was with a sergeant major and this other soldier. This one soldier grabbed this ammo crate and was like, "Hey, this ammo crate feels funny," and it wasn't. It was it was sealed and everything. And the sergeant major was like, "No, it has to be real ammo." I was like, "Sergeant major, I need you to check this because I don't think this is real ammo." He opened it. It was just a bunch of rocks. Really? They gave him a bunch of rocks. And he opened all the other crates. I'm talking like the the munition crates, the artillery crates. The rockets, all that stuff, were mainly rocks. The thing is, it was too expensive for them to do that. That's why they have their loyalty is very shifty, and and I can't blame them for that. Right. You know, like I get better equipment in a different country than I do than they do their their country. Wow. You know. Yeah. Um, I had a point I was going to make. Well, it's gone. It was. Probably not that good to begin with. <laughs> oh, the wolfhounds. Yep. My brother was a wolfhound. Okay. Hey, I looked it up. Uh, they, they, a lot of them got stationed at Fort Carson, I think. Oh, God, man, this is years ago. I'm pu- I'm pulling out on the. It might be their. It might be their. It might be the name of their like their, their battery or company or whatever. Oh okay, yeah, that yeah. yeah they had their own little emblem and yeah, website my, where we could follow them and yeah because I'm a I'm a steel warrior that's what my battalion name is and stuff like that and when I was deployed I was lethal my first deployment I was lethal and my second deployment I was a red warrior 
You are a red warrior. <laughs> yeah, like it was real weird. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's just the name of the. That's just the name or the album of the unit. Like that's all. Ba- all battalions do that. Yeah. Well, all battalions that I've been in do, do that. Um. Well, I suppose we could swing back over to comedy. Well, fuck it, yeah, because this is getting a little dark and serious. <laughs> Let's see. I'm sure people are listening. They're like, the what the? F- they're like, what the <laughs> fuck's going on? But all right, um, so, because again, your comedy is different than mine. How do you do your? How do you like? How do you structure your jokes? I've n- realized this. A lot of the jokes that I structure aren't. They're like, if you look at my joke list, like, you would just see the title of the joke. And that's all you'll see because the thing is that's how I do my jokes. Right. Whereas I know a couple other comics, they're more structured. How do you get your like? How do you get inspiration and how you get your jokes to the way they are? Um. So I am inspired all the time. I have a joke book. I have an app on my cell phone, and I have a running log on my computer at work. So anytime anything hits me, and I'll go days at a time without being inspired. It's kind of weird. Or maybe I'll just put it in my brain and say, let's let that incubate for a little bit. Like, the premise is there. So um, pretty much in my mind, um, there's different kinds of jokes. I am not a good storyteller. Yeah. But I am great at one-liners. So what I do... As far as sto- if I if there's a story I want to tell, I make it into a one-liner. Yeah. Like you know that that. Uh, well, for those listening, I got a joke. It's uh, ladies, it's okay to adjust your bra in front of your drug dealer, just don't say this wire's killing me. Yeah. And that is a great one-liner. That originally when I wrote it was a paragraph joke, and it just didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work until finally it was like, let's skip the story and just capture what makes that story funny yeah. and so that's what works for me is extracting the one-liner out of the paragraph um i'm trying to think uh and, and then no this is still i've only got a couple jokes i've done this with is linking those one-liners together yeah you know um so that i have a, a fleshed out joke um so you know and I think we went over this when we we were first learning comedy together yeah. is, you know, you write your joke, you trim the fat. You write your joke, you trim the fat. You flesh it out, you trim the fat. And so um, I guess by extracting the one-liner from the paragraph, that is my process of trimming the fat. And then linking all of those one-liners together is fleshing it out. Um, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Yeah, because what I do, like sometimes, like what I like to do, and this is just what I do, is I just write, like, the premise, like, the title, and then I work it from there from my my mics. Uh-huh. You know, like, for example, my first joke, my Steve joke, it's almost completely different, at least I feel like, than when I first started. Uh-huh. You know? Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I don't, I never wrote that, I, I never wrote that one down. Like, that one I came up with on, on a tower in Afghanistan because I was bored. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's sometimes where I'll just write the premise. Yeah on a piece of paper, walk up on stage and see what happens. Yeah. And that that's where it takes guts to do com- com- comedy. Oh yeah. Cuz if it doesn't come out of you, you're just dead it's, air. Yeah, it's going to stay there for it's going to stay there forever and then you're going to If you don't do it if you just wait when you're on mic too when you when you're doing a new joke, it you lose it. Like yeah. that always happens to me. Like that's what happened to me a couple nights ago when I do when I did a mic. It was like I did a joke, I had a new joke and then I forgot it. 
Like, right when I did it, then I got oh, off stage, man. and it's like, fucking hate that shit. And then you get off the stage, and you're like, I forgot to say that. <laughs> but the thing that bothers me, the thing I love is, like, when you have, like, a premise, and you think about it while, you, like, right before you get on stage, and you try it, and it actually works, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, that is... That's one of the best, fe- at least to me, that's one of the best no, feelings. No, I agree, yeah. where it's like, I think this is funny, let's go try it. And then you're like, oh my god, it worked! I know. <laughs> like, I remember... Fuck, when Legends was still a thing, I did this joke about Hancock Road or Street or whatever. And that literally was me driving there. And I was like, man, Hancock. And then I thought about another place back home where it was like this IHOP. It was like IHOP. It was like I, there was an IHOP on this road called Cox Road. And that's where I came up with that joke. <laughs> IHOP on Cox Road. <laughs> yeah. IHOP on Cox, I'm going to help you. You know, and that's what I was thinking. That's where I got that joke. That's where, and that was like a, off the top of my head, like, fuck it, let's try it. No, um, I'm not, and tell me if you, you feel the same way, I'm not totally as experienced as one day I hope to be. So oh, yeah. I'm still having epiphanies in my writing process. Oh, yeah. Um, I've noticed one recently where I go up and I tell a usual one-liner, and I am so in my pocket, I riff off of it, just improv, you know, just, just yeah. what's on my mind, and that lands harder. And then, I, you know, that lands harder. I, I don't know. That works with me, because I remember when I did that, you fuck, you were there when I was at Bar K, like, last Thursday, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and most of those, jo- all those jokes were just... Oh, my God. Were mainly just fucking <laughs> the off the top of my head. You look at somebody, and you're like, you, you see the way I'm looking at you right now? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not covered in shit. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I died. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, a lot of that was more, like, that was, like, the dog joke, there's another one. Yeah, the dog joke was the only joke that I actually had planned. Everything else was just like, fuck it. Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, that's the thing I've realized. And the other thing is, like, I honestly feel like you should... And again, I'm not an expert on this, but I feel like you should start improving a little bit. Like, the comics as a whole should start improving a little bit. Because, you know, I've seen other comics, like, headline with, with showcases I've been a part of. And they, like, have to pause because they have to go through their set. And they got to make sure it's, you know, and that right. looks... It looks kind of... You know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm, I do music. Yeah. It's like reading music for me. Um, this has been an ingrained habit. You're you're reading the music. You've played it enough that you know what note is coming up next, right? Yeah. So you rehearse. But at the same time, when you are playing, let's say, the first note of the measure, you're already looking at the fourth note of the measure. Yeah. And that's how you keep it flowy. You know, and it's kind of the same in comedy. If you're not thinking about the next joke there's a possibility it won't be there when you get there i know fucking for example uh one of the older comics lloyd would be i remember i looked at a joke because i was like because i saw other other comics do this they look they would look on their jokes remember i did it and he got pissed at me that's why i don't ever pull out my phone or a notebook anymore is because he got pissed at me he was like don't you ever fucking do that shit because the thing is he like flapped you with his cane like what the fuck little whippersnapper (laughs) what the fuck you're funny as shit. I don't know why you did that. It makes you look bad with the crowd. This, that, and the third. I was like, God damn, all right, dude. Right? Yeah. Uh, Lloyd. Oh, man. Lloyd's good people, man. I, oh, yeah. I haven't seen him around lately. Uh, I think he's... Um, I, I think he's in jail because of the DUI. Oh, shit. Yeah. I think he's getting out. I don't know what's going on with that. Should we go stand outside the jail with signs? Like, it's good to see you again. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think he's in, like, the... I think he's getting out soon because of the medical. Because he's, oh. he's an older guy. Yeah. But, yeah, he's... If, you know what I really respect about Lloyd? What's up? And I'm not throwing any comic under the bus. 
um, is he's been doing comedy, what, like 40 years? Maybe longer? Yeah, I think. And he still believes in the fresh new faces on the scene. Oh, yeah. Like, he, you know, it's not like this, come see me when you're funny bullshit. It's not... Like, we need his permission to be doing comedy. Oh, yeah. He is just like, you get off stage, and he says, you know what? That's great. And then, you know what? Someday, you're going to be here. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing, you and know? Then, it's like, the thing I liked about him is he'd always give me criticism. He, he wouldn't be like, he wouldn't be like um, you fucking suck. He was like, you know, you got you got to do, th- do this, do this, do this. Don't get rid of your old jokes. Add your new jokes to your old jokes. That way it right, makes it better. Man. And stuff like that. Because there's, like, other comics. I'm not, I'm not going to say names because I don't want them to, because, you know, some of them it, ca- it's really hard being new on the scene. Yeah, some of them are catty bitches. Like, I know there's some mics that, you know, there's some showcases that, and this isn't jealousy, but it's like, there's some showcases where I know I'm funnier than some of the people on it, but they get on those things, and I feel like it's because it's it's like high school. It's like almost too clicky, you know? When I first started comedy, somebody told me it's a popularity contest, yeah. and I really, I didn't believe them. I did not believe him. And then, guess what it is? It's a popularity contest. <laughs> well, and, um, I, God, there was one time. So I've been doing comedy since January, and it was maybe June. And this girl goes up to do her first set ever. Yeah. And she fucking killed it. Yeah. And it was like, I wasn't mad at her. <laughs> I wasn't jealous of her, but I was like, Fuck, man. No, I, love I, that. I got upstaged by someone doing it for their first time, you know? But I had to be happy for it. Oh, I love, I love when I see new comics do good. I, I went over, that was the first time I had felt that way. Yeah. So I went over, I introduced herself, I told her how incredibly well she did, and she needs to stick with it. I told her she made it look effortless. And it's like I had to do that physically so that I would believe it internally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it was. I couldn't be more happy and jealous at the same time. I'm listening. <laughs> oh, you're fine. I just got to do some stuff so that we don't get interrupted by my alarm. Hello, alarm. Yeah. I'm alarm. What the hell did my brother want? But it was a humbling experience. That's maybe what I should say. Like, and being a new comic on a pretty well-developed comedy scene has been... It, it hasn't been the journey that I thought it was going to be. I For some reason... You know, when, when you're looking at the professional comics, they're all friends, except for yeah. Carlos Menstelia. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and they all support each other. They all go to each other's shows. I thought that's what it was going to be like. Oh, it's not like that at all. Uh, you know, I've surrounded myself with people who have made it that way. Yeah. Like, there are there are a lot of great comics that I consider lifelong friends. Troy. Yeah. Troy is going to be definitely. a life. And, um, April Campo, she's going to be a lifelong yeah. friend. Alyssa and Caesar, I do not see them going anywhere. Am I, you know. Yeah. Look, no, no, like, out of my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, I am keeping them close. They are good people. Um, but there are other people who are just waiting to see you slip and fall so they can freaking take your spot. Yeah, exactly. It, it is so freaking weird. They're your best friends and your worst enemies. It is fucking weird yeah that's the thing i've realized that's why whenever i do showcase like i think my first one i did i invited everybody i think i think i know you couldn't go because you had your kids that weekend so yeah. I, like i wasn't really worried about you oh it was in um Pebola. Pebola. Yeah, yeah you had your kids that weekend so i was like ah i got you and then but then it was like other people was like yeah yeah i'm coming i'm coming it's like and they come and, and, the re- and i was like hey why hey you know you said you're coming why did you come and i took it a little personal and they're like oh well I just didn't feel like coming. I'm like, okay, then why the fuck are you going to tell me you're coming? Right. The thing is, I came, and I'm not going to say any names, but I 
would go to I went to their shows before like weeks before yeah and you know it's like it's it's not personal now because now I don't like even my my last showcase that I had with uh, Nene and Delgado and uh, Cool Black I didn't invite that many of y'all because the thing is like ah gold camp's going on the same time and I just don't care right you know yeah well and what I've found is a lot of people like I'll have a show or something and people will apologize because they can't make it and I tell them it's okay there will be a next one yeah I'm not going anywhere it's not the end of the world um I, I forgot what my point was with that. Maybe that was the point. Yeah. Is if you're not going to make it, it's okay. Yeah. Don't blow smoke up my ass. So, yeah, that's you know. the thing. That's how I feel about it, too. It's like, I know. Because there's nothing worse than expecting, like, 20 people, people to be there and, and five show up. 20 people and the only person that showed up was your girlfriend. Because you brought her. <laughs> Although, yeah. I do come from the world of music. Yeah. <laughs> It'll do a lot of shows for your girlfriend and their yeah. the the bandmates' girlfriends. Yeah, <laughs> oh trust me, I'm, I, I know. I remember when I used to do MMA, I think I've only had one fight where I actually had a fan come, like a friend come support me. Yeah, and like every other time they're like, "Yeah, we're coming, we're coming." And then like five minutes later, it's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna make it, dude." Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, a firm maybe will be okay. Yeah. It is okay to say maybe. <laughs> like, no, it's like I don't really care if anyone shows up. Mm. Just because I'm... I care a little bit about this next one because it's at a venue that's selling tickets. Okay. And we haven't had any ticket sales. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, where are my people at? <laughs> trying to think, uh, when's this Norman's next open mic? Because I know I'd invited to that. Oh, God. Do you know which one? I know it's like in a week or two. November 6th. 15th maybe oh no no okay so i think it's november 15th on a friday and then i have a show in pueblo on number um, okay. november 16th and so i was thinking about just spending the weekend in pueblo but i have to get time off work yeah, yeah, yeah. i believe it's november 15th so i'm trying to get one of my friends uh remember natasha she did she went to one of your, she did great yeah i'm trying to get her to do that show because the thing is she she's actually been writing jokes and stuff like that so i'm gonna try to see if she can actually do it because she's she I, likes it I have to tell you, shout out to Norman, all right? Yeah. Norman contacted me, and he said, there's no more mics. There's no more mics in Pueblo, and I can't make it to the Springs. And I was like, dude, this is when you start a mic. Yeah. And he did the first two in his living room. Yeah, I was there for one of them. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah, I was there for one of them. <laughs> we were both there. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, liked, I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, and like, wow, like, way to make it fucking happen, man. Mm-hmm. Like, Norman, good job. And then he lands a venue, dude, and it's like... I tried, when I was explaining to him, you know, how to do it, I was like, just contact venues, see if the dodo on open mic. And he's like, is it really that easy? And I was like, no. just fucking do it. Then he did it. And that that's not my success. That's his success. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like, you know, if you put a comic on stage, if you encourage somebody to go on stage for their first time. And they kill. That's not your success. That's, that's theirs. theirs. Yeah. But you're proud of them because they did it. Right. And the same way I'm proud of Norman. Yeah. Good job, Norman. That's how I feel about Natasha. That's how I feel about Natasha and my brother Hanato when they did it. Because the thing is, they both loved it. She did the open mic when I headlined. Yeah. Yeah. And she was fucking funny. Actually, I think I remember some of her jokes. Yeah. 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 Keep going, girl. I know. She's listening. I don't think she's listening. Are we live? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> no. This is going to get published right after. Live enough. Yeah. It's going to be live like, it's going to be like an hour later. What time is it? Because I got to oh, yeah. a little bit. I could talk to you forever. Yeah, I got to head out. All right. Well, that was pretty Gleaser. Ah. Fuck, you, you introduced yourself because I can't fucking say your name right now. 
Brittany K. Geisler, comedian and musician. All right, do you have any th- last things to say before uh, we head out, before this is over? Keep on keeping on. You only live once. Live, laugh, love. Thank God above. Bullshit. All right, well, that was an episode of Walk of Shame. Y'all have a good day.